Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back. It's Bill Leave, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Bills-related podcasts. My name is John Boccasino. We took a week off last week. We hope you guys didn't miss us too badly and too dearly during our absence. And uh, speaking of absences, I flew solo for a couple weeks because my buddy, my good friend, my colleague, Jamie D'Amico, was on a well-deserved vacation that really didn't turn out so fun, buddy. Welcome back. Hey, it is great to be back. And thank you for taking the bull by the horns and flying solo. It's it's not an easy thing to do. So any of the listeners out there, just know that John Boccasino was putting forth a lot of effort because doing a show without having somebody to bounce ideas off of is a very difficult endeavor and you rocked it just like you always do always do i would say i had the voices in my head that i could talk to as well to have a conversation going but those guys aren't recording on the pod it's just me oh it's too bad you know what try sticking the microphone up to your ear and let's see what happens (laughs) and exercising the paranormal here on believe it's uh it's great to have you back jamie because really you're right it is hard um, and I have a lot of respect for, you know, Anthony Marino and other podcasters who do a solo show. The Part of the fun of a podcast is bouncing the ideas, like you said, off of somebody else having a point counterpoint. And, you know, I mean, it wasn't hard to come up with the, the topics that we did. But for, for today's topic, it would not be very fun if I was doing it by myself. We uh, really want to and we want to hear from our fans, too, and our listeners as well. If you like us, if you don't like us. If you're ambivalent towards us, you know, get involved with our with our pod. Um, you know, on social media, Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino. You can also find us at Buff Rumblings, and you can comment on the articles when they drop on Sundays. So, Jamie, believe it or not, as the Underwear Olympics are concluding in Indianapolis, the annual exercise known as the NFL Scouting Combine. A lot of Bills fans have, rightfully so, been thinking, what does this team need to do this offseason? What are the glaring holes? And when you look at the roster, we all know that Buffalo is in win-now mode. It's Super Bowl or bust, so Brandon Bean is going to hopefully do whatever he can to get this team over the hump. And one of the challenges is the Bills are tight against the cap. You know, they're based on what number you look at, they're either slightly over or they're very close to the threshold and they can restructure some contracts, but there's 16 free agents that the bills have and they have a slew of needs this off season. So for this podcast, we thought we would break down what is Buffalo's most pressing need this off season and who is the most essential of the internal free agents that the bills needs to imperative needs to bring back uh, versus the others they could they might hurt their loss but they would be able to move on from them so we're going to talk to you today about Buffalo's most pressing needs this offseason and who is the internal free agent that Brandon Bean has to find a way now granted there's there's some caveats we'll get into it's not like there is an open 
uh, checking account and you're writing a blank check to the guy to come back. It has to be, you know, fairly reasonable salary parameters. But we'll talk about who the one internal free agent we feel like the Bills must bring back above all others. Jamie, let's start with the needs. When you look at this roster, what to you is the biggest need you see? That's a tough question because the needs, as far as I perceived them, seemed to have it seemed to ebb and flow and evolve over the course of the season. Had you asked me with a month left in the season, I would have said, oh my God, it's guard. The Bills absolutely need a guard. Well, Ryan Bates came in and did a bang-up job, and I don't know if he can do that again next year, but I don't have guard at the top of the list anymore. Now, what is realistic And what I think they need right now are different things. Because if you were to say, what's the one position that could put the Bills over the top right now? I'm going to say a pass rushing defensive end. But we know they're not going to add any defensive ends. In fact, they may not even sign their own. So if I were to take an educated guess right now, I'm going to say that the biggest need at the moment is going to be Oh God, you're really putting me on the spot here. <laughs> but no, no, I'm I'm sorry. I'm going to go back to it. I think the biggest thing they need is a pass rusher. Yeah, it's interesting, Jamie, that you kind of and I get the waffling back and forth on defensive end and pass rusher. The Bills have drafted and invested so much draft capital in this position. AJ Epinesa was a second rounder. Uh, Greg Rousseau was a first rounder. Last year, and Carlos Boogie Basham Jr. was a second-round pick last year. And, you know, the, the Bills have spent a lot of draft capital, but just because they've spent a lot of draft capital shouldn't preclude the team from spending more draft capital if they feel like that player is the right player. Um, there's the sunken cost theory that we're going through here, and, you know, it, it really comes down to just how much are you willing to invest in this defensive line and how much of it do you believe can be resolved by, you know, we saw a lot of progress out of Greg Rousseau this year. He did hit the rookie wall for sure, but then I thought he bounced back and, and, and had a really nice last couple of games after that wall where he kind of seemed to go back up in, in the right direction. Boogie had flashes, but I think he was very inconsistent and erratic, which is to be expected from somebody who, was kind of labeled a a little bit of a reach, you know, when the Bills took him, even though he could have gone in the first. That's the thing with these edge rushers, Jamie. The the value, I mean, if you're going to go for an edge rusher, you're almost better off doing what Buffalo did last year in the power and numbers because for every guy that hits, there's five that are going to miss. It just seems like it's the nature of the beast with how valuable and sought after this commodity is. It it does. And, you know, when you talk about flashes – I hate to be a negative Nancy, but his flashes were that of mediocrity. Oh, not yeah. Dominance. Yeah, there were not. I mean, there was I, I, maybe I'm thinking of one or two plays in particular where I was like, wow, boogie, you know, boogied and he got after the quarterback. But other than that, it wasn't anything that would make me be like, wow, he's worth a second round pick. And and the same thing right. goes for Epinesa. I mean, he had that huge coming out party against the Dolphins um, where he single handedly you know, destroyed Tua for seven weeks and torpedoed the Dolphins season. Thank you for that, because I did not want to have the Dolphins being that red hot team in the second half of the season that they were in the first half. But there's a lot of uncertainty with the position. So you're right to feel 
you know, some consternation about what Buffalo should do. And the Bills have nine picks in the draft. The problem is if you don't go after an edge rusher in the first, second, or even early third rounds, my unscientific opinion is you're you're not going to get somebody who's a game changer later in the draft because all those studs are gone. The majority of pro bowlers, statistically speaking, have come in the first 19 picks of the first round. Interesting stat, isn't it? That's a stat of the day right there for you. Yet, the majority of players in the NFL were drafted in the 6th, 7th, or undrafted free agents. So if you're Brandon Bean... Very interesting when it comes to roster construction, you know, Absolutely. Isn't it? I mean, the Bills have to knock these draft picks out of the park, given, again, their cap situation, how tight up against it they're going to be. And, you know, there's... There's stories you can read out there. I'm not going to take credit for other writers, but, you know, the Bills have ways of creating anywhere from 25 to 30 plus million dollars in cap space by taking a couple of measures and restructuring deals. One of which, you know, could it be Cole Beasley, although he uh, in breaking news on Friday, uh, him and his agent reached out to Brandon Bean and basically sought permission to seek a trade, uh, which if you want to read the tea leaves, means that the Bills probably approached him about taking a restructured deal. And he said, nah, I'm good. I caught 82 passes last year. I know my worth. And that's going to be tough because the Bills would have another hole to fill if they lose Beasley. But that's kind of a topic for another day. Although it was kind of surprising, I feel like, Jamie, because it seems like from everything you hear that Beasley is both a solid contributor to the offense and 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 likes being in Buffalo, despite his anti-vax stance drawing a lot of ire from some of the fans he seems to be genuinely fitting into the locker room let's as uh our buddy big newt likes to say let's peel the onion on this one a little bit so one of the conditions for the cole beasley trade that he and his agent put out there is the receiving team would have to give him an extension so I feel like perhaps the Bills didn't approach him about a pay cut. I think he approached them about a an extension. And they were like, oh, we were actually thinking the exact opposite of that, which is you either taking less money or us cutting you all together. And he's trying to use this as leverage to get the extension, which he's he's not going to get it in Buffalo. Let, let's be 100% honest here. They're up, not only are they up against the cap, but he's a 32 year old speed player. And when you look at what happens with players at different positions, even in other sports like basketball, you have a guard who's predicated on a speed game. His career is going to end much sooner than a center who's never been fast, who's just a big, strong guy that rebounds the ball. Allen Iverson comes to mind. Yeah, okay, he was probably a bad teammate on top of it. But as soon as he lost half a step, his game wasn't the same anymore. That's exactly how it's going to go for wideouts, unless they've always made their living like a Mike Evans, who always made their living just being bigger than everybody else. So 32 years old, lost a half step, you're probably not going to get an extension from Brandon Bean and company. Especially when as great as, you know, third and Cole has been at, you know, knowing where the sticks are and getting just enough to get that first down. He's not 
uh, as as the NFL analysts and uh, and stats nerds love to point out, uh, he's not a yak head. He's not somebody who's going to uh, be a dynamo when it comes to yards after the catch, which really seems to be a new fascination with uh, with stats and analytics guys in the NFL. Uh, his yardage total plummeted um, by nearly 200 yards, uh, by more than 200 yards, rather, from 2020 to 2021. Uh, Beasley only had one touchdown catch. Um, really, his numbers are on decline other than he had 82 receptions last year. I still, and I don't know anything to the contrary, Jamie, but I feel like the Bills know what's in front of them. And yes, there's a lot of decisions that they're going to face at the wide receiver room. We've talked about this. At least I commented on it during uh, one of the most recent solo pods with this is going to be the fifth year in a row that Buffalo's wide receiver room undergoes major changes. You know, Emmanuel Sanders is unrestricted free agent. Isaiah McKenzie is an unrestricted free agent. Same thing with Jake Kumaro. And now if Cole Beasley walks, that's a, a lot of snaps and a lot of reps that will be gone from this wide receiver room. The good thing is apparently this is a really wide receiver rich draft class. Um, so I'm not too worried about the bills, you know, filling the, as long as you got Davis and Diggs, I think we'll be able to uh, pencil in some good wide receivers um, to surround Josh Allen with the talent. And I don't think it's worth, they're not going to extend Cole Beasley. You know, if, if they had given him, I, I, but I do feel like Jamie, that the bills, I think they did ask Beasley to take a pay cut or he had heard that they were going to ask him to take a pay cut because he's not worth the deal that he's currently getting. You know, he's got one year left on the deal. He's set to make close to five and a half, almost $6 million uh, next year uh, on that one year deal uh, remaining for his contract. I, I just, I don't know. I feel like the bills might've been proactive and tried to say, Hey, let's get ahead of the curve and offer a contract cut that might've had say three or 4 million guaranteed salary and take away the signing bonus to make it easier on the team for the cap figure. It, it would make sense because I don't think they're going to leave any stone unturned, but the requesting a trade aspect of it, to me, that's interesting. You Because when it comes to being asked to do a pay cut, okay, say you're Brandon Bean and I'm Cole Beasley, and you come to me and you say, hey, we're trying to get under the cap. What would you say about giving up a couple million dollars in exchange for a fully guaranteed season? I'm Cole Beasley. If I want to be there, I say, nah, I'm good. What are they going to do? Cut him? Probably not. If they do, I become a free agent and then I'm free to negotiate my, my own deal. So I just say no. And there would be a massive cap hit. I believe his cap hit is almost seven and a half million uh, for 2022. So valuable uh, nuggets to know here on the Cole Beasley situation. Um, another example of a need that the bills could have that we're not even, you know, factoring in right now because technically Beasley's under contract for 2022. Uh, and Jamie mentioned uh, on his biggest need being the edge rushers. And we kind of talked about, and, and you can never have enough edge rushers. You can never have enough good athletic freaks who can get after the quarterback and change the momentum to me, Jamie and the bills have a lot of internal free agents at the defensive end position, looking at you, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. Uh, there's a bunch of guys that Buffalo has that are, are not, they might not be back with the team next year. And we'll talk about who our most imperative internal free agent to bring back is on this bills roster. But to me, 
first and foremost, the most glaring need, the biggest area of concern that I see the Bills having next year is the same that it was last offseason. And it's the boundary cornerback, the CB2, the guy opposite Trey White. Mm. I'm going to die on this hill along with many Bills Mafia members. The Bills need to do something about the CB2 position. They need to, we saw what happened when Trey White went down with that ACL tear against the Saints. The Bills defense did admirably filling in once White was gone. Although, let the record show, outside of Tom Brady, they weren't facing a juggernaut of opposing quarterbacks. And the first time outside of the Buccaneers game in Tom Brady that it came back to bite him in the ass was unfortunately their last game, the worst timing of the year with Mahomes and the Chiefs picking them apart. But no matter what you say, and the Bills, they need te- they need depth at cornerback, and they need a number two who can step in and start outside of Trey White. And I'm going to break some news here because I've defended this guy for quite some time. Levi Wallace is not the answer. Levi Wallace was good this season, though. He was. He was. He was good. But hear me out. I think Levi Wallace was too good for the Bills. And that's going to sound ridiculous at first when you mm. think about this. Oh, he's... How could someone be too good for Buffalo? I think it's priced- it's not it's not ridiculous when you say that. People say that about our wives and us all the time. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time someone said that, I might have a nickel. <laughs> but I feel like, and I think you know where I'm going with this. Um, Levi Wallace might have put himself out of Buffalo's price tag uh, for 2022 and beyond with an extension. Levi is one of the free agents that Brandon Bean has to figure out what to do with. And if you're talking about someone who's going to command, let's say worst case, $8 million a year, and probably more realistically, 9 to $10 million a year, just based on spot tracks projections, uh, based on Matt Warren's projections on buffalorumblings.com, Matt does a great job of crunching the numbers and putting up comparative numbers for players and what they could sign for. I think Levi Wallace priced himself out of Buffalo's uh, uh, plans for 2022. And I I feel like, you know, it's the old Michael Jordanism. The ceiling is the floor. Like, you know what you're going to get with Levi Wallace. He's a solid, but not spectacular cornerback who gets burned too often off the line of scrimmage by the faster wide receivers. Do I want to be paying eight, nine, 10 mil a year for someone who I'm not absolutely positively sure is that lockdown corner opposite Trey White, Trey Day? No. And I don't think Levi is the answer. So for $8 million, the $8 million that it would cost to re- re-sign him, do you feel like there is a player out there at that price or in the draft who is better? I think what the Bills and do, By the way, I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask who. Yeah, because I, I have to be honest. I don't know a ton about the free agent cornerback market. Um, I do want to dive into some of the names at a later podcast, but I feel like Levi is going to go. He And he deserves, by the way, I, I, like I said earlier, I've been tooting Levi's horn ever since the Bills got him out of Alabama as an undrafted rookie free agent. He was an amazing success story, but just because he came from the, ra- I mean, I don't want to say rags, Alabama is quite the rich <laughs> football program. Yeah. But he was like, he was a great feel good story. You know, he came out of nowhere, uh, essentially, you know, no one, he was on no one's radar. You know, there were 256 players in college football that got drafted and he wasn't one of them. And yet he earned one of 64 starting cornerback roles in the NFL. 
That's really impressive. But I want the next team to be the one to pay the burden for signing up with Levi Wallace on a contract extension. I think the Bills can find a better boundary corner who fits their scheme uh, better, who gives uh, Leslie Frazier more weapons to play with. And think about this. If the Bills get the cornerback that they need opposite Trey White, that would free up Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer and the rest of the talented secondary to get back to doing what they need to do versus modifying for a weakness in the defense, which is what Levi presented at times. So I liked what Levi brought to the table this year. I, I thought that he was I thought he was a good player, but here are my thoughts on Levi Wallace. He's a system player. He's a guy who can play zone. He's always in the right place, but he's a limited athlete. So he knows where to go. He knows the defense inside and out. But at the scouting combine, he ran like a 4.63 40-yard dash. That's way too slow. Now, he's made it work for him, but that's only because the Bills have not asked him to run with the fast receivers down the field. I'm with you in the sense that I want a more versatile corner on the field, somebody who can mix in man-to-man coverage with the zone and see where that takes them. Because if the Bills can mix it up even more on the back end, I think that makes them even more dangerous and even more likely to end up getting some turnovers. And the Bills were great in turnovers this past year. I have no qualms with Levi Wallace's performance, but... You see the limitations when they go up against the track team that is the Chiefs. And that's the thing, Jamie. And 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 yeah, I again I like Levi. I think he's a great story. He did play very well in 2021, but he is, you're right, he's a limited cornerback. He has to play a zone scheme. That's his biggest strength is being in a zone. He gets burned in the press situations. He gets burned by the quicker, taller wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. Think Jarvis Landry when he had a field day against Levi two years ago. You know, last year, Levi against bigger physical receivers, especially when he's in a bump coverage, he's not going to hold his own as well as what Buffalo needs him to do. And again, by taking away the strengths of the secondary, where you could have the deficiencies of Levi covered up by the great secondary that Buffalo has, the great safeties. Why not get someone who's an even better fit for what Leslie Frazier wants to do, get a better athlete uh, to come in there and play cornerback? And again, I almost consider this to be, and and I'm not going to steal his thunder, but Bruce Exclusive had a really good article on Buffalo Rumblings back in February, you should read about this, where he compares the Levi Wallace dilemma to Jordan Phillips. And Jordan Phillips, Bills fans were crushed when he didn't come back, when he signed that deal with the Cardinals. But the Cardinals opened up the bank account and backed up the Brinks truck. And they have not gotten their value for the money that they gave to Jordan Phillips. And I think the same can be said for Levi Wallace at an 8, 9, or a 10-year average um, salary, which is what he's probably going to command. He he would get paid like a Kyle Fuller, like a Ronald Darby, you know, like one of the top corners at CB2 in the league. And I just don't think Levi Wallace is that top corner because, again, of the limitations that he presents. I, I'm with you on that. And the fact remains, when you have a good team, usually that team is good because you have a good quarterback and good quarterbacks get paid. You can't keep everyone. What you have to do is look down the road a little bit at the Baltimore Ravens. 
they always lose free agents and they always have a next man up and they're competing for the playoffs every single season because that's how they construct their roster. That's how the Bills are trying to construct theirs. Unfortunately, you're 100% right. They don't have depth at that position. I am not ready to anoint Dane Jackson a starter. No, no, no. I'm not ready to give Dane Jackson or Cam Lewis. And they can have significant reps on the defense, but not be the CB2. I'm fine with Dane Jackson filling in significantly, giving good reps, but not being the starter uh, opposite Trey White. So there you have it. There's Jamie's biggest area of need. And there's many more we could talk about. We could do a whole podcast every week about the Bills need to shore up their interior offensive line. The Bills are going to have some wide receiver uh, openings, especially with, again, McKenzie, Kumaro, Sanders, and possibly Cole Beasley hitting the open market. The Bills need desperate depth uh, along the defensive line for sure. They need a backup quarterback. They need a new punter. But those are all secondary. Mm-hmm. At least the Bills aren't looking around trying to say, who the hell is going to sling the ball for us at quarterback? Right. And when you don't have that question, everything else has a tendency to fall into place eventually, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. It's amazing how it all works out that way. Speaking of working out, the Bills have some working out to do when it comes to bringing back their own. Brandon Bean loves to take care of his internal free agents. We saw it last year with the amount of finding a way to lock up Matt Milano, Daryl Williams, John Feliciano. You know, word is out. If you play well and prove your worth, Brandon Bean is going to take care of you. Well, that's going to be really tough this year because, again, the Bills are in dire straits when it comes to their cap situation. And they have now 15. I mentioned 16 earlier, but it's really 15 because the Bills reached an agreement with Saran Neal, the corner safety special teamer on a three-year contract extension. So he is now back in the fold at actually pretty reasonable terms uh, when it comes to his deal for Buffalo to stay with the Bills as a key component on special teams and a valuable depth piece in the secondary. There's 15 free agents that the Bills have. And just for the class who's listening, in case you need a refresher, here are the Bills free agents coming up. You have unrestricted, which means they can do whatever the hell they want. Mario Addison, Ike Bucker, Matt Breida, Vernon Butler, Jerry Hughes, Taiwan Jones, F.A. Obata, Isaiah McKenzie, Harrison Phillips, Emmanuel Sanders, Mitchell Trubisky, the aforementioned Levi Wallace, and Justin Zimmer. Then there's the restricted free agents and the exclusive rights unrestricted free agents. Ryan Bates is a restricted free agent. That means he has exactly three years of NFL service time. The teams can tender him a contract, and if he chooses to sign with another team, Buffalo would have a right to match that deal or let them go with possible draft picks coming in exchange for losing a player. That's Ryan Bates. He is Buffalo's sole restricted free agent. He has been a lightning rod, by the way, when it comes to Bills fans' opinions on what the team should do about him. Half of me hopes, Jamie, you say he's the player the Bills should resign just to dive into this controversy and you know the worth of Ryan Bates, the apparently uber-valuable, versatile swingman on the offensive line. And then there's Tyrell Dodson, the exclusive rights unrestricted free agent at linebacker. Now, I've mentioned all of the free agents out there, Jamie, that the Bills have. 
what is your number one must come back internal free? And actually, I'm sorry, I stand corrected. Tyrell Dodson agreed on mm-hmm. a one-year deal. So take him off the table altogether. That was a good move for the Bills. They brought him back in mid-February. So Dodson is back in the fold. So really, you got Ryan Bates and you got all those unrestricted free agents. Who is the one must have? Of all the unrestricted free agents, Ryan Bates is he's certainly a guy you would like to have back because the offensive line absolutely changed when, when he was in the game. Bills have a new offensive line coach coming in and Aaron Cromer. I am excited to see where that takes us, but I'm going to steal your thunder because I feel like there's only one real answer here. And that is defensive tackle Harrison Phillips. Ding, 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 ding. Here is a guy who I earmarked as the potential breakout player of the season for the Bills after 20, the 2020 season, he was coming off an injury, and I am quite confident that his injury wasn't fully healed because that guy, not only did he become a starter in 2021, but he was good. And by the end of the season, he was taking near 70% of snaps at the one technique defensive tackle position, which is not something that a Sean McDermott defense typically does, which is have their a defensive lineman on the field that much. And really it was his play that unlocked Ed Oliver's performance in, in this past season. Now, yes, there were times that he was getting pushed off the ball and you don't want to see that happen. He's not a huge guy, but the, the one technique defensive tackle is the position that keeps the linebackers free that allows Ed Oliver to penetrate into the backfield. This guy did a good job. But we're going to have a problem on our hands here because he may have been another player who played his way into a big contract. But I have to say, by all accounts, he's a great teammate. He's a great person in the community. He was um, nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. He's just so active with with nonprofits and helping raise money. Um, for children of special needs, things of that nature. I think when you take a model citizen who has become a high quality starter at a position of need, you got to pay that guy. Oh yeah. It's a no brainer to me that it's Harrison Phillips. I mean, I could make the case for Jerry Hughes coming back uh, to serve as a mentor to the kids, the pup Ed rush, the puppy, you know, the, the, the young pup edge rushers who Buffalo is trying to groom to take over. But it's Harrison Phillips, first, second, and third. And I think that it's interesting you mentioned uh, Ed Oliver. The reason that this is such a no-brainer for me is exactly what you said. Harrison Phillips did what Star Latulale was supposed to do, which is take up space and be a clogger and allow Ed Oliver to really free himself up to fight through the double teams. And not only be a space clogger, but Harrison Phillips – His pressure rate was 11.5% last year, third best amongst all of Buffalo's edge rushers. It was only Jerry Hughes and Ed Oliver who uh, had a better success rate on their pressures than Harry Phillips did. He's a successful, fantastic one-tech defensive tackle. He eats up space. He allows his guys to really – and the fact that his main job is to eat up space and he's still getting after the quarterback with an 11.5% pressure rate – 
is phenomenal. I'm going to drop a stat bomb on you, Jamie, that I think is going to really augment your conversation before about Ed Oliver with and without Harrison Phillips. I'm excited to hear. You know, you are so good with the stats. <laughs> well, I try because here's really the, the again, when you talk about someone who whose sole job is to be taking up space, it's hard to justify the value of what you give somebody on a contract. But Ed Oliver benefited immensely by having Harrison Phillips in the starting lineup. In the eight games that the Bills did not have Harrison Phillips, Ed Oliver had a pressure rate of 7.1%. He had zero sacks, only 13 pressures, five hits, and 13 hurries against the quarterback. In nine games with Harrison Phillips' horrible Harry in the starting lineup, that pressure percentage jumps double to 134 He had all four of his sacks. He had double the amount of pressures, 25, more than double the hits, 12, and he had 15 total hurries. Ed Oliver is so used to having a double team come against him that he must have been like, hallelujah, praise Jesus. Here's Harrison Phillips making my life easier. That's why the Bills have to re-sign him. Wow. Oftentimes... Ed Oliver has even moved to the one technique when the Bills are missing bodies at that position because he can sort of stand up to it, but that is not what you want him doing. Now, counter-argument. What about Star Lutulele? He's under contract. Unless the Bills are able to somehow work out uh, a team-friendly reduction in salary. I, part of me is still miffed that Star chose to sat out the entire 2020 season, not because he chose to sit out the season over COVID concerns, but then he didn't get vaccinated and missed time this year. So I'm, I'm done with Star. Unless he wants to come back on a bargain basement contract, I think Harrison Phillips, is more, he does have some injury concerns, but I think that the injury concerns are not enough to trump bringing him back. And especially when you look at the type of contract that the Bills could offer Harrison Phillips. It's something that is not out of this world when it comes to what he might be offered. I think that if you look at what his price tag could be, it's somewhere going to be somewhere in between the two year, maybe a $5 million contract extension, maybe a two and six, maybe a three and seven. But it's really like if he gets between four and five million over the two to two to three years, up that a little bit more for a three-year deal. It's going to be a relative bargain, and it's a short-term contract that keeps Phillips in Buffalo. And if it turns out that he's injury-plagued and can't perform to it, you're not crippling yourself for the next half decade with a, an albatross of a contract. I think it's a no-brainer. Getting him at $5 million would be a tremendous value. But all it takes is one team to see him out there and say, you know what? We think he's worth $10 million a season. Well, there's a comp that I can put out there for you, Jamie. And again, I give Matt Warren all the credit. He does a great job. And so does Bruce Exclusive with these comps of players who, what they earned. And Adam Butler is a guy with the Miami Dolphins. He signed with them a two-year deal, $7.5 million at age 26, when his four-year rookie deal with the Patriots was up. He had more pass rush productivity than Harrison Phillips did, which meant that those that's a, I think that's a pretty high ceiling for what horrible Harry could achieve with his contract extension, given the productivity and also given the injury concerns, the fact that Butler was relatively healthier than Harrison Phillips has been. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that is a very reasonable comp. I'm just worried that if the price goes high, they won't be able to bring him back. 
And then I guess they got to try to light a fire under Star's ass. Yeah, if if not, I mean, you're hoping that Justin Zimmer fully uh, is healthy and recovers. And then you're really talking about overpaying, too, for a lot of the free agents at nose tackle that could come in and take the place of of Harrison Phillips. There is not a lot out there that is going to fall in that affordable category. I think Harrison Phillips loves playing in Buffalo. I think he would be amenable to this type of contract where he's going to get paid the bills. The other thing too, Jamie though, is they really need to start taking advantage of the fact that like um, the bills have some leverage, I think with Harrison Phillips, like he really, it's not like he was a known commodity uh, when he got drafted as a third rounder out of Stanford, who was lighting the world on fire. He had been a part-time player who didn't earn that full-time starter role until the final half of his last season of his rookie deal. So Mm -hmm. I think the bills can use that as leverage to maybe drive down uh, his salary and keep the cost more affordable and more manageable. In fact, I mentioned Bruce exclusive over the cap uh, had a good valuation for star for uh, Harrison Phillips with a contract being more than $4 million and spot track has his market value at 5.4 per year. Both again, I think very reasonable deals Mm -hmm. and if the bills make a three year strike with Harrison Phillips to keep that year one cost down, it's even more of a win for this team because they'll get both flexibility and a really motivated player. Right. And it'll undoubtedly come with more guaranteed money, but I'm okay with that. I'm all right with him being guaranteed some money because while injuries are a concern, I think you know you're always going to get the best of that guy. When he's out on the field, you're never going to have a player who's dogging it, who's creating problems in the locker room. This is the kind of person who, well, let's call him a process guy because he sort of is, but this is the kind of guy you want on your team and you you send a great message to the rest of the roster when you when you give this guy a nice raise and keep him in town for the next few years. Couldn't agree more. It's all about the message. It's all about bringing back the right types of players who fit the schemes of the Buffalo Bills and fit the process. And by the way, Harrison Phillips is also an accomplished state champion wrestler, so he fits in with Sean McDermott's MO for finding wrestlers to come and play on the team. So there's that too. Oh, Sean McDermott. I think that'll put a nice little exclamation point, if you will, on our podcast here on Believe. We've given you our thoughts on Buffalo's most pressing needs this offseason and who is the one internal free agent that needs to come back uh, for, for the Bills in 2022. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. Again, get involved with us on social media. We won't bite. We promise. Uh, Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino. You can also get involved on this article by commenting on buffalorumblings.com. For my esteemed colleague, Jamie D'Amico, I'm John Boccasino signing off for Bill Eve, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. 